0: Lent his voice and producing skills to Squidbillies Hosted a travel doc for CMT Called Morgan Spurlock Presents Freedom, the movie He's opened for Sturgill Simpson And he's worked with Sasha Baron Cohen On both Who is America And Borat's subsequent movie film Davis has just released his second stand-up comedy special Testify Which premiered exclusively on the Moment platform In November 2022 He sat down with me to talk about Taking risks in comedy His previous experiences in and around Seattle Fatherhood and more, including his new special. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piphany at com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, Billy Wayne Davis, congrats on the new special, Testify. I know you were just joking on the old bird app that you couldn't get Peacock to play testify, but they, but Peacock would take Casey Anthony.
1: Yeah, no, that was, I mean, when they passed, I wasn't like, you know, that's part of the the whole game. But then when they started promoting that, I was like, Hey, y'all, that's, that's hard not to take personal. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, like, I worked, like, I'm just, like, I'm really good at what I do, and I worked really hard. I think, like, I wouldn't present this to you guys unless I was, like, you should buy this. Like, it's good. And then they're, like, yeah, we got this lady who killed her kid. We're gonna, we're gonna you, give her some money. And like, not,
0: only you, know. not only do you have a talent in stand-up comedy, but you also have not killed your kids yet.
1: None. Neither. None. Like, it's, I love them both. It is, I've never thought about it. <laughs> they're annoying. I tell them to shut up sometimes. That's the worst that I, that's, that's my worst. Every now and then mm-hmm. I'll be like, just shut up.
0: Do they know that their dad is a stand up comedian?
1: Uh, I mean, I have a 13 year old that is becoming quite aware of it, I think. Uh, and then the three year old, you know, he knows we're funny. That's what he says. He's like, With
0: with the teenagers, has that changed the dynamic? Where they're like, oh, I know what you're really like.
1: Um, probably in a good way. Because I've never been like a hidden who I was or any of that kind of stuff as a dad. I was never like, I've never been like in your face about stuff either. But it was never like, if he was curious, it's like, oh, here's what this is. And this is, um... So, no, I think he's more interested in it. I think he has a natural taste. He has a he has good taste in comedy naturally. Like, he was into The Simpsons and some some of that stuff that I didn't necessarily influence. So, but the things he, you know, he watches all kinds of stuff, but the things he gets into are really good. So, that's nice. Not all the things are really good. But Does that overall. mean the
0: 13-year-old has or has not yet watched Borat?
1: I think from the way I didn't show him this, you know, I haven't shown him any of the, any of Sasha's stuff. I haven't shown him because there's like a, there's a adultness and a social awareness that I don't think maybe, maybe Bruno, I could show him Bruno. Uh, but I mean, he, everyone's going to laugh because it's just, he's, He's a clown, so it's, right. he's a very talented clown. So it's very funny anyway. But the context is, but he watches South Park all the time. And that's pretty fantastic. Well, I, I mentioned
0: Warhead specifically because, of course, you got involved in the subsequent movie film.
1: Yes. No, that was, I think his mom, because when it came out, he was at his mom's house, mm-hmm. and I think she showed it to him. Cause I wouldn't, I kind of, did he know that that was you? She, yeah, she was like, Hey, your dad's in this movie kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, but no one knew. I think she watched it cause like everyone was watching it. And then mm-hmm. at the end people were like, Whoa, cause that's what, cause you know, I can't promote, you can't, right. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. that. laughs>
1: you can't tell like, you know, my, my current wife knew, but his mother didn't... No one knew outside of our little immediate well, family. He didn't even really know.
0: How did you get involved in his hijinks?
1: Um, well, I did... The Who is America is the first thing I did with him. And then... Do you know Adam Loweit? Okay, from The Daily Show and stuff like that? Yeah, he was okay. an EP on Who is America. Okay. And... He called me one day, all weird, and we just kind of knew each other like from my short scent in New York City or when I would visit because mm-hmm. he knew me as stand up and stuff. But and then he just reached out through, I think Brendan Walsh is who he got my number or something through. And that's why I was like, I don't trust this because Brendan was involved because, you know, he's just a prankster. So, right. um, <laughs> and then Adam was being kind of cryptic. And uh, he was like, listen, can you, are you available tomorrow? It's for a Sasha Baron Cohen thing. I was like, yeah, man, you just lead with that. I do whatever that dude needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan. And then it was months before that we went to shoot or anything. It was just like one day in L.A. at this hotel. And they were working with the character and stuff. And then so I just like literally... After that day, I was like, it was like one of those L.A. days or like a New York day where you're just like, that's why you live here, because weird shit like that happens. And that was a fun day to I met this dude who and kind of worked with this dude who I really love and admire and got to kind of see how it works. Right. Cool. But
0: for who is America, you can even you can stay behind the scenes on that as a consultant or a writer or whatnot. But for the Borat subsequent movie film. You also had to put yourself out there because you were part of the the fake band that that happened in Olympia, Washington. I was, the
1: em- I was the I was the MC of the, the I yeah was hosting the uh, so so you, I, that's
0: yeah. the, that's the that's the one event in that film where Sasha says that he actually ran back to his trailer in hidden fear and they drove away and so
1: yeah know. it was I wasn't I mean. I'll, Obviously, I'll say people this. probably aren't pinning that on you
0: at the time, or are they?
1: Oh, no. They was. I don't think that people ever, to this day, unless they probably don't know I was involved. Mm-hmm. Like, to this day, I bet they don't. Someone would have to, like, point it out. Like, there was no way. Um, no, that was funny. It was, like, because I did, you know, I worked on Who is America quite a bit for for a good stint and mm-hmm. then I got a call from one of the producers on it like this one one of those numbers are like oh, I can't remember what this is from and uh, <laughs> they're like hey can you come do this thing with him and I was like like it was like during COVID so I was like right. I was like I don't sure yeah uh, <laughs> and it was like this Crazy mm-hmm. protocol, and I had like a machine that, like, was one of the few in the on the country. Oh, for could,
0: for testing and safety.
1: Yeah, it was like a whole thing. But the funniest, yeah, and because they were just like, "We need you to host this thing to do this thing," and I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." Yeah, and they, then afterwards, did... like, some people I didn't, some new people on the uh, on the movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the production, I didn't know from the other part uh they were like wow they said you were perfect and you were perfect I was like yeah no I knew what to do this is yeah (laughs) so when when the event was actually transpiring
0: how did you feel
1: I mean it was like a I had a mask on so there were like a couple parts where I could like kind of giggle where I couldn't When I was working on the other thing, because I was Mm -hmm. just like, but I mean, I've said this before is like, I've worked so many big events that none of that shook me. I knew how to, I knew, I know how to move in crowds, especially big crowds. I know how to get through stuff. So none of that scared me. And then I grew up around, I mean, I'm a hillbilly from East Tennessee, so The gun part didn't scare me that much. Mm -hmm. I was aware of it, but I've also said, like, and you've seen the special, like, you know who wants to use a gun and who doesn't. And none of those people really want. I mean, there was a couple people that I was like, I'm going to keep my eye on, like, this kind of person. Mm -hmm. But there was also a bunch of security there with us that I was like, they were scary to me. So I was like, that's good. When the commotion happened, Mm -hmm. you know, it was interesting because they were, everyone was unclear. You could tell what was happening. And then some people had figured it out. And then the chaos happened. And then I would come back on stage after that, after they like kind of chased him around Mm -hmm. and then they got in a thing and left. And then my whole thing was, like, I'm the MC of this event, and this is my part, so I went mm-hmm. back on stage, and there's like, one of the dudes running, he had, like, a pistol on his thing, but he was in a suit, and it was, like, you know, it was kind of common. The whole thing's funny. And I was, like, hey, man, do you need me to, there's, like, another singer, like, a real singer, supposed to be, like, a country music singer. Mm-hmm. I was, like, you need me to introduce him, and. He's like, oh no, dude, we're good. This is chaos. We'll take care of it from here. He's like, thank you so much. I was like, no problem, man. <laughs> and I was like, man, they okay? Like he like shook my hand and stuff. And in my head what was happening. I was like, I don't know if they'll use this, but that's such a funny like to me. I was like, that's really funny. Uh but then I left, and then because like he said, I knew crowds enough that they're, they're looking at this other thing, this other nonsense so i just walked right through them and then out and wherever i
0: right because from your perspective it's just like being uh an mc or or even a feature or headliner at some and it's not the
1: craziest we... show it's... i've ever right done. it's
0: some weird it's <laughs> some weird one-nighter in the pacific northwest It's like yeah this
1: <laughs> it was not none of it felt out of place except for i was like there's about to be it's good to know that the chaos is coming that's mm-hmm. Because like you said, like most of those, most of doing stand up for a living until you get famous is just chaos. You're playing to chaos for a lot. So none of that. The most shocking part of it to me was like they needed me to get the crowd closer. You know, because it's like in this field. Right. And people plop down. There's like speakers all day and stuff like that. And I was like, well. That's, I was, that was the only part I was worried about was like, because when people plop down with their blankets or their chairs, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I was like, they don't, that's, it's like a, it's like a flag almost. We're like, this is mine. We're not moving from here. (laughs) So I was like, it may take me 10 or 15 minutes to get everybody to come down. And that's the cool thing that I was like about fascism. I noticed is like, if you're a leader, it's pretty great cuz people just do what you say immediately like they were I was like hey we need everyone to just move as close as possible and they just got all their stuff up and moved closer and I was like huh that is oh i guess the these are follower type people so that is it was that part i was like oh so we're going to speed things up like then i had to stall cuz in our thing it was like mm-hmm. we Gave me like so. I had to be funny. I started some chants. I watched some the speakers before me. They had a political rally before the show, and the the music part. So I watched all those people, and I watched how the crowd responded to those people. And it was to see, you know, what they liked and what they didn't like. It was like you know, watching stand up show where you're right. like, hmm, well, yeah, this crowd doesn't like this, or they don't like that yeah. stuff.
0: I don't know too much about uh, being a fascist, but I do know that I spent my early years in comedy in Seattle, and mm-hmm. I remember people telling me that like a big thing about it, even more than being funny is your confidence because if they can sense your stage presence, if they feel if they sense weakness in you on stage, they're not gonna laugh even if you are funny. But if you project a
1: lot of confidence, they'll be willing to go along with half-baked jokes. It was, and and oh, 100%, that's any public speaking. Like, I tweeted probably a month ago. I was like, where I grew up, um, people thought that I knew more about the Bible because I didn't have a fear of public speaking. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of, and someone was like, what do they have to do with each other? I was like, nothing, nothing. It was just that I could. I didn't mind speaking in front of people and I could make stuff up and they were like, okay, sounds good. I think, I think that describes too many of the most popular people on social media. It's It's every, it's all cults right now. It is all cults of personality. Um, uh, (laughs) It's fascinating,
0: but I bring it up, but I also brought it up because I wanted to know how you found yourself in Seattle and what your Seattle experience was like.
1: I had met my, uh, now ex-wife. Then we had just started dating. I was touring the country. Well, touring the South kind of with, the uh, with the couple comedians as an opener. And then we met, and started dating. She got a job offer in Seattle mm-hmm. and she was like, you want to come? And I was like, and I had hung out and met Mitch Hedberg a couple, three weeks before he had passed. And, he spent a lot of time in Seattle and we talked about that. And he was like, it's just, I knew that I I needed to leave Nashville, but I knew I didn't need to go to New York or LA next, but I needed to like, because of the, (laughs) my accent and my name, I was getting pushed in certain directions where I was like, this isn't, it's not who I am. It's never going to be what I do. And I knew leaving the South was like, I had to, if I wanted to develop an actual voice, I knew that I needed to leave the South. It's just nowhere. Right. And uh, I thought about Houston a little bit, but it was getting hairy down there. And then, and uh, she was like, let's go to Seattle. And I was like, okay. And I went up there and I mean, my experience was like, if you, I will be candid about it. What year? Well, what years was, was, was it? So it was the end of 2006 okay. when we moved. So it was you know of 2007 to when I.
0: Okay, I left. I left Seattle in 2001. So,
1: yeah, no, it was, and in, even in my six years there, it was it changed the scene changed in, in drastic ways, which was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was there, when I was first there, it was like really exciting. There was a lot of the People's Republic comedy. There's a lot of like alt the alt thing was popping off in a positive way where in a very creative way it was Mm -hmm. at the beginning do you know what i mean where it wasn't wasn't really political it was just like be weird and funny but be funny Mm -hmm. um so that really that was really fun and then what i recognized because i was also touring i was still opening with people so i would fly out and then what i recognized uh, was Seattle that I didn't anticipate was Seattle has this, the Northwest has this incredible scene, like comedy thing mm-hmm. that a lot of like a regional uh, that you can. And I've told this, to, uh, like uh, there's a kid, uh Chase. Myers that moved from Louisiana up there. And I told him, I was like, this is, I gave him the secret. I was like, here's the thing is like, if you, it's a great place to go develop. Cause you can, if you live in the city or near the city, you can get up every night of the week. And most places you can't do that. Like, uh, outside of the big cities, mm-hmm. you can get up every single night. I was like, and there's also tons of like casinos and bar gigs. And, all these like things that like they're totally different types of stand up, but if you work them all, it'll just make you amazing. Like, and if you get through it, you know, is like one of those things. But, <laughs> but like it opens rec- you up in so many different ways. Yes, and I recognize that, and I think I had the the advantage of being like already touring when I moved there.
0: Were you were you touring was with Raffi? That- at that point
1: just barely just a little bit like like enough that we were like buddies we had become friends that kind of like but not like i had done like one long tour with him at that like at that point like a couple months Mm -hmm. and then yeah that was like yeah it was like the beginning of it i guess is when i moved there and so i had this but nash you know being at Zanies as my home club i had to and a different type of education than most people get because of the showplace aspect of it's a true A room where there's just every type of headliners coming through there, right. big acts. And I, I was a house MC there. So that like that sped up my comedy knowledge of how the business worked and how it wasn't what you these scenes will make you think the business is. So I had that advantage, like going into. Seattle is like, I recognize there's these clicks happening and these, and that happens in any city or any scene, but then they would stop doing each other's shows. For, and I was just like, Oh no, this is not. Okay. So I'm just going to keep doing every room I can and just kind of, and then I had my own drama with my relationship. So that helped stay out of <laughs> their drama. But It was like, as far as comedy, it's a wonderful, I don't, it's also can be very toxic. That's why I was like, I'll be candid about it because of what I'm talking about, because it gets insular and people don't want, some people don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. So they get in their own thing and then they get territorial about it. Just, it is what it is, but it is like, I've never understood that part of comedy, the territory part.
0: I think even with with social media and right now it's TikTok, but before that, YouTube or podcasting, you can do comedy from anywhere. But back mm. back in the early two thousands and before then, these scenes can can be great because they're outside of the industry. But then at the same time, they can be too far outside of the industry. And- oh. And, exactly. and so, kind of like la- operate in
1: like a little echo chamber or an umbrella or. Well, in Houston, that's the first place I met people that like these brilliant comedians that I'd never heard of. And I was like a comedy nerd. Like I knew if anyone, because of, you know, even stuff I didn't know about because of Zanies, I would find out about because they would bring in. You know, like I understood a lot of the uh, black acts and stuff because of Zanies and that thing. And then, I was like, "Who are some of these Texas com? Like, who are these people?" And they're like, "Oh, they only do shows in Texas." And I was like, "What?" And then they just start naming cities, and you're like, "Oh," and they're like, "They don't have to leave Texas, and they don't want to." And I was like, "Huh?" Now it's harder to do that now, like you know. But like then, when comedy was like a booming. Not boom boom industry, but like there were more clubs operating, and it was like a. Uh, it was before they started booking reality show people. Let's be honest, that's what it was, <laughs> and then it, it kind of took a, a dive. Yeah, well,
0: reality that. show wasn't a thing to make people think that they could be. Folks
1: yeah, like that. No, I guess I when know.
0: when I was in Seattle, the only person I ever had to deal with like that was Cato Kalen, but he had a comedy and, background before his OJ connection.
1: I did. A show with him in L.A., of course, uh, at a health club. And he's, like, he's delightful. It was, like, my wife and I left, and I was like, I can totally see where, like, that dude's just a good hang. Like, where right. you're just like, I mean, just stay <laughs> in the house if you need to. He's always that guy like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I take care of things when the juice isn't around.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, he was, like, so delightful. I was like, oh, yeah, he's great. Um, And yeah, I could see him being like, this is... This is not fun, what's happening, you know what I mean, with <laughs> his whole life. Uh, but then when the Northwest, I met some guys that kind of did that in a similar way. Right, because
0: he, he can, yeah.
1: Yeah, And but their act would get, and in the Texas comics too, I guess to a certain degree, would get so specific to those re- regions, and pretty funny, but like, that would just, that's so mentally i couldn't
0: yeah there's some there's some old boston comics who are the same way like they don't need to leave and also their act has become so uh regional and parochial that they that they can't translate that to a
1: wider audience well in new york city too that was a interesting part of new york is like you meet some this like it was like texas where i was like man there's some really great comics i've never heard of and they're like, they've been working for 12 years. And they're like, yeah, but they don't leave this like 20 mile area. And you're like, whoa, that's, fa-. I mean, that's, that was equally, I was fascinated with that. I was like, that's kind of cool.
0: But like you said, you've, you know, you've been, you've had the grace or the uh, wherewithal to keep breaking outside of whatever bubble people might want to put you in. And also, when you were in Seattle, you were touring. And it strikes me, you know, we've mentioned a couple of these names, Sasha Baron Cohen, Mitch Hedberg. You toured with Ralphie May. You've also worked with people like Morgan Spurlock. Uh you did stuff at oh, Third man. man Records with Jack Jack White. Like you you have you've collected all of these kind of iconic, eclectic, infamous people along the way of your journey. What <laughs> How is that all rubbed off on you?
1: I never thought about all those people together like that um,
0: <laughs> right because you probably would you never would have seen them all in the same room
1: no and but i have um <laughs> uh, actually, I never met Jack, which is very fascinating um, okay but there's in a there's like a i think there's a quality uh aspect to all that that's more important than quantity if we're looking at all those people's body of work, Mm -hmm. they're artists too. Does that make sense? They're all artists. They're not entertainers per se. I think that's, that was an interesting part as a former jock kind of, you know, even one that was like in a lot of the nerd classes too, because my mom's an English teacher, but
0: most people don't combine college athletics with also being a radio DJ. Like, no, they don't. And your, your background kind of like allowed you to be kind of like a floater, floating in all these different worlds.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, that was. And am I interested? That like if if I'm going to be interested in something, I'm going to be inter- like, it's like let's figure out how it works and the best way to do it. Because if I want to show it to somebody, I don't want to waste their time too. Which is why it takes me a while to release stuff. But I'm very proud of everything I've released. Like everything. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if many people can say that or they shouldn't say it. Um, (laughs) I mean, usually the the conventional wisdom for
0: comedian is to always look back at your old work with a little bit of horror.
1: Oh, if you can't tag nine jokes that when you listen to your old stuff, then what are you doing? Yeah, no, (laughs) it is. Yeah. But it is like, it's sometimes surprising to listen to like some old bit and be like, Hey, that's okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, people were right. I, this is funny because sometimes, you know, <laughs> like when you get tired of jokes, you're mm-hmm. just like, you don't want to do it. Like that's, I was, I was talking to Tom Papa and I was like, that's when you're getting ready for the any special or something like that. It's like, you know, you're ready when you're like mad at the audience for laughing at the jokes a little bit because you're like, like I'm just so tired of making this so tight and then you've heard it so many you know where the things are and how to hit it and just and then yeah there's a part of you that's like why are y'all laughing at this but that's when you're like oh it's ready no you have to like consciously because it's like a human thing to be like Mm -hmm. I've just done this so many times it's like insane but like if you don't like consciously Mm -hmm. be like no this is so like and I've always had a hard time as a comic I don't think it's a hard time when I want to, I, I can do it, but I don't because of that. And I think like, I've been always amazed by like comics that do their act the same way every night. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking it. Like it's like Seinfeld does that. It's he's, you know what I mean? Like it's amazing. Regan to some degree does that. Um, I can't do it. Like they, I like I'll do the same bit. Some like, but never in the same. Eventually, you know, when you're working to do something for TV or something like that, it comes together. But like when you're on the road, it's, it's. I, I just I feel like you're just kind of playing every night with the room and what you've got. It's just that's when it's really fun. I think.
0: Well, one of the one of the things that makes moment different, and that's where you released testify first is on yes. the, the new platform moment. One of the things that makes that different is they try to create, as in the name, a moment where you have a, a live premiere, even though it's pre-recorded, and the fans are all in the chat room. So what what was that like for you to experience your own special with fans in a chat room? Well, I did... Okay. It
1: was... <laughs> it was... Inter- like... It was interesting. I didn't fully grasp what we were doing if I'm being honest, so I didn't okay. promote it great. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I think what when people figure out what it really is, it will, will be cool. Uh and we're like the, you know, we're the early part of it. Mm-hmm. But the the neat thing was like we did a Q and A afterwards, and that was really I was I, I I'll be honest, I was the introvert Certainly me was not excited about that part Mm -hmm. at all because you know (laughs) you release this thing and then you're like now people are going to ask you stuff about you're like i don't know if i'm uh, like i don't is anyone emotionally ready for something like that like that is not but everyone was like so cool and they were asking fun questions and it is Mm -hmm. like that thing like any of your artists self-doubt and stuff where you're like this is not a good idea (laughs) Uh, But everyone liked it. So it was that they like it was really fun. And then we did it for like 20 or 30 minutes. We were so people had to say stuff. And you were so that was really fun. And it made me realize, like, I might do some kind of Twitch streaming show like that because I did enjoy. It had a tell me if you like this idea. It had like a local access. Feel to it where people were just like saying stuff to you, and you got to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and I know, and I was like, oh, man, I like this, and then someone on the chat was like, you're talking about Twitch, and I was like, okay, I'm an old man, so <laughs> sure, okay, that's, so, and he's like, he's like, you should, do the guy was like, you should do a Twitch, and I was like, it would be fun to like, if people like, hey, I'm looking to sell something, like, because I used to love to watch those shows and listen to those shows, those those like old like am fm low dial just local two old puds Mm -hmm. sitting there talking and then they're like someone's trying to sell a a, an s10 chevy like that's what it felt like which also felt like very communal which i really liked so to answer your question in the longest way possible moment was pretty cool if i would have used it correctly I think where it would really, really work well is if you have a popular podcast and you want to do live stuff. You also recorded this special. This is yeah, eight hundred pound gorilla. Uh, eight hundred pound
0: gorilla. Sorry,
1: eight hundred pound media. Gorilla, right? I think is media.
0: Well, I bring, I bring it up because we're we're at the the one year mark of when their efforts to get more.
1: Spotify money
0: residuals. Residuals is the money I'm, the word I am looking for. Yes, yeah. yeah. Their, their effort to get more residuals on behalf of comedians has has led to a spat with Spotify that's lasted over a year now. So, I didn't know how you, as a comedian who's been thrown into the middle of that, um, kind of feel about that a year like a year removed from that whole thing
1: popping off. There's the truth of it: is they. They weren't. We weren't getting much money from them anyway. It took so many. It's not like music where people are gonna play your stuff a gazillion times, and even then, those dudes aren't getting much money either. Uh, where we make most of our plays is from Sirius XM. Uh, they pay a decent thing because my parents are teachers, and I have a his, in, in, interest in like history or whatever is like. I kind of understood the what they were doing. I understand the numbers game we're trying to play with somebody like that now when they pulled all the things out, that was a fascinating move, but they it to me it just showed that they knew this isn't this doesn't people aren't coming here for this, so it doesn't matter like they wouldn't have done that. Do you know what I mean? It was right. like it wasn't like a it's like, yeah, just kick them out. This is it makes more sense. It doesn't...
0: Right. They wouldn't do that if you were Taylor Swift or Harry Styles or...
1: Yeah. It, no. God, no. But it is a weird... It'll get people's attention, I think. And then it'll have to take somebody like a... Like, you know, like Taylor doing the thing with Ticketmaster. Now she's doing it now, you know, the Congress and stuff is involved and all that, but she's pushing that now because her fans <laughs> were like, hey, what the hell? But, but like, she, right. everyone Why knows what they do.
0: $3,000 for a concert ticket.
1: Yeah. But she knew going in, but it's also like they make everything easier because they own everything and then they own all the venues. So they, you, even someone like her kind of has to do that for just like a, just like it's easier. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to create a whole corporate like nine corporations and hire a bunch of people to do it for you, which she could do um but who who, who could
0: do that in comedy? Do you think?
1: I think there's people already doing it. I think Kevin Hart's all in-house pretty much uh,
0: but I mean would it take someone like Kevin to, to he know,
1: has his, his own should... network?
0: To, but I mean, to push the the needle for Spotify to... or To, like, Not just Spotify, but Apple and Amazon and all, because most of those platforms don't really pay that much per stream. So is there a comedian who can kind of... No. ...change the, that argument on behalf of comedians or no?
1: No, because... And it, Kevin's is all in-house, and he does, like... He has his own network, right? Mm-hmm. The LOL thing and all that, but... Uh, he's an impressive businessman so he has his own industry that they're not even he doesn't him going I, like I, I think people just come to him anyway now so they're not going to apple through that way mm-hmm. to get him like unless it's his movies or something like that like all of that stand up stuff it's through netflix or whatever uh rogan is interesting he could leave spotify after his oh. deal and then if he started dogging them or whatever, or he has the some kind of pull that it would make a dent. I mean, after him.
0: all, it was it was Rogan all those years ago, pre-podcast, who who pushed the comedy store on Carlos Mencia and got people thinking about joke thievery
1: for the first time in a long while. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh, uh, you know i don't know if joe set out to have all this power uh <laughs> no, i
0: don't think i don't think
1: he did i don't think i think it's a responsibility he doesn't care to have mm-hmm. but uh i do think he could like the same reason they wanted him in that space same reason they wanted last pod in that space and then but once they let him go, I am interested to see what happens there. And like, and musicians could take their music off there. Like that's another thing. Like Neil Young doing stuff like that. Like that was, and what he did, I think was it. Neil Young did was just bring up this conversation is what he was doing about like, Hey, this needs to be talked about and it's not talked about. So, Hey, or I'll talk about this or threaten this thing that whatever. Right and that worked it's like he understands the media neil young does to a certain degree but until there's antitrust stuff this is not gonna be solved until the government comes in and is like you guys can't do this and like we have to but
0: you mean you mean billy wayne davis and i didn't solve it right now
1: i mean we could solve it like Mm -hmm. like solution didn't implement this podcast that you're the, listening the to right
0: now didn't solve it
1: i just get frustrated It's the execution mm-hmm. of the of, of these plans i keep making
0: <laughs> Seems well, to be. yeah well i know you said earlier that uh, you don't feel like you did a, a solid enough job promoting testify uh but hopefully this podcast is popular enough to get yes. people Looking it up, whether it's Look still that on McCarthy bump. That <laughs> yeah. McCarthy whether bump. it's whether it's no, even if it's no longer on moment, it'll be on a platform near you soon enough.
1: Yes, it's an on moment maybe a couple of days, and then after that, yeah. yes, wherever you platform, it will be. I don't know if it'll, I don't think it'll be on Spotify. I don't think <laughs> my production, my label, has a great relationship with it. Right now.
0: <laughs> Well, who knows? Maybe this is the time for 800 pound gorilla media and Spotify to
1: go get them, gorillas. Roast, roast,
0: chest, em. roast chests, not so open over an open fire and <laughs> it's, under the mistletoe.
1: Well, someone at least someone's looking out for us, which is nice for a change. So because nice. we don't look out for each other a lot,
0: not nearly as much as we should.
1: No, <laughs> but, but we're all mentally ill, so it's tough.
0: Well, Billy Wayne Davis, thanks for <laughs> at least being mentally ill with me. Of so course, I'm not, anytime. So I'm not alone because uh, nope. you never another, are. Yeah, we never are. So thank you so much. I
1: really appreciate it. Thank you. I gotta go pick up the kids. All right,
0: cool. yeah. go pick up the kids. Don't be a Casey Anthony.
1: Oh, who's, who's on well, Peacock. she's got a fucking <laughs> special out on Peacock right now. You get it out. Good. <laughs> Don't you watch know. that. Watch Billy Wayne Davis testify. Yes, thanks. yes. <laughs>
0: This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazel at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by GiggleChick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening.